This week's episode of the Cincy Shirts Podcast is brought to you by Blue Manatee. Did you know that when you buy a book from the Blue Manatee Literacy Project, they donate one to a disadvantaged child in Cincinnati? Your favorite children's bookstore in the beautiful neighborhood of Oakley in Cincinnati has a new buy one, give one mission with an even larger inventory from baby books to books for grown-ups. Now a nonprofit, the Blue Manatee Literacy Project donates a new book to a child in need who doesn't already have access to books appropriate for their age range. Since April, they've donated over 11,000 books to children in Cincinnati. With your help, they can donate even more. Visit bluemanatee.org to learn more or head to their storefront at 3094 Madison Road, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45209. Now, on with the show. This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 107. Today on our show, Blue Manatee co-owner Amanda Cranius. There's still the odd character, like Elephant Piggy, you know? And I think having an assortment, having a diverse selection for the kids to choose from, I think is very important for kids, too. Different um, ethnicities, different backgrounds, to be able to look at books and see characters that are reflective of, of themselves. The Blue Manatee is a bookstore and a Cincinnati institution. Located in the Oakley section of town, it's been a favorite spot for book lovers from all over the tri-state for ages. Amanda tells us how she came to be a co-owner of the shop, what unrelated field she was in before, and why she left it, why and how the store operates as a non-profit, and more. If you've been liking the podcast, you can support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com, chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now let's talk to Amanda from the Blue Manatee. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from in a while I'm at shirts.com in Cincinnati so I remember Blue Manatee has been around for a long time because I used mm-hmm. to take my daughter there when she was like four same yeah yeah, yeah it's it's 30 years okay. it's been in Oakley really yeah it started as the Blue Marble and, yeah okay um, now the Blue Marble's in Kentucky northern Kentucky so it's still in existence it just moved across the river and uh, um, Blue Manatee that was then bought by uh, Dr. John Hutton and Sandy Gross. And they had it for 17 years. And then Kevin and I uh, took over ownership last January, closed the for-profit, and reopened as the Blue Manatee Literacy Project, a nonprofit. Okay. So how long was it closed? Um, <laughs> it was a very quick turnaround. Uh, we, we took over ownership in January, and it opened April 2nd. So why did you decide to restructure it as a non-profit, not just keep it running as a garden variety bookstore? (laughs) Um, Well, to be quite frank, garden variety independent bookstores don't make a lot of money anyway. Um, Uh And with the mission that we had to work, uh, make literacy our primary focus, um, the bookstore is is a wonderful, wonderful place. And um, it opens a lot of doors in publishing and in the community. And it's, it's a wonderful asset to us. But our primary goal is to um, get books into the hands of kids and to put out literacy programming into schools. Uh, 
uh, support literacy programs that are already out there, support organizations that are also in literacy um, and help them. So when we uh, were looking at it and the roadmap of what we wanted to do and goals, aspirations, it just made sense to be a nonprofit um, primarily because it opens up some different uh, revenue channels for us, uh, grants, donations, um, and we knew we'd need the community's help to make this happen. So so what were you doing before you bought the bookstore? <laughs> um, I worked as a, an operations and uh, operations consultant. So I did a lot of strategy work, um, whether it was in operations marketing, it would go back and forth depending on the client, um, but primarily operations. So I went into uh, different uh, companies and just help them um, with some a process. It might be a whole company overview or it might be one specific project, um, but I worked primarily with nonprofits and startups. So how did you decide to get out of the rat race then and go into... Yeah, I was in finance um, for 12 years, private wealth management. Um, I was in San Francisco, it was the last uh, gig I had in corporate and um, just wasn't for me. I wanted to do something that wow. had some kind of social impact. And um, there are definitely moments where I'm like, I remember when I used to make like a nice, nice, nice paycheck. And you know, that the benefits that went along with that. But um, I'm just, I, I think I'm just one of those people. And I feel like the people that are around me, um, are they just need something else that feeds their soul. Well, at least you're not still work, living in San Francisco no. with that. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I get the only thing harder than that. Uh, living, you know, in San Francisco, I think would be working for a nonprofit or something like that, and trying to support yourself in yeah, such probably an not many of those area. around out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for so sure. How'd you settle on literacy as the thing you wanted to do? Well, that it that was Kevin's idea. Kevin Cushman's uh, my business partner, um, and. He had the idea, and uh, Dr. I know him as Dr. John. Dr. Hutton put um, Kevin and I in a room we hadn't met before. Um, we were both interested in taking over ownership of the bookstore. Um, I was looking at it as let's do something different. <laughs> let's, yeah. well, let's own a bookstore. Um, and he put Kevin and I in a room, and Kevin had this amazing idea um, for this literacy uh, organization that. And it was just so simple. It's there's nothing complex about what we're trying to do. It's really just you community buy books, and we will turn around. And for every book you buy, we're going to put one right back into the hands of someone that needs it. Um, and I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So That's it's a Tom Sh Tom Shoes mm -hmm. model. Very close. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Simple. yeah. It is. It is. And uh, and so it there's just everything about it. It just spoke to me and. Um, Kevin and I, like, it, it called a business blind date, but it just works out. We, um, he has a lot of great strengths that happen to be maybe not my strongest suit and vice versa. So it was perfect. And so what was his background? How did he get? He, <laughs> he's been at working as a volunteer, um, at Euler, uh, tutoring, uh, children on reading and uh, developing reading skills for many years. And this was all uh, uh, born from that, just seeing the need in the community. And, and, and so that's how his interest really, um, you know, hurt around like this, started brewing around like what could be a plan that, um, I'm, that we make an impact in this area in Cincinnati 
looking, I think, at the the other schools um, and just becoming aware that, wow, this need is greater than just what I'm seeing right in this classroom. It's in many classrooms, so... But he's 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 worked with startups, um, nonprofits, um, kind of the same, kind of the same thing. Neither one of us are book industry people. Neither one of us have ever owned a bookstore before. Um, probably would both have to admit we were Amazon book <laughs> people before the, we bought a bookstore. We we totally get it now. But um, so I, you know it was it was. Um, a big life change, a big pivot that just came out of, out of nowhere. The opportunity was there and we took it and here we are. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, just knowing all the, you know, forms to fill out rules and regulations and everything that goes into, you know, mm-hmm. making sure you abide by the rules of uh, yeah nonprofit and whatnot. Uh, I'm sure that's a lot to keep up with. It is. Um, yeah. And we have a lot of support. And I mean, our board, uh, people that just have a love for the blue manatee, you know, like it ha- since it has been around for 30 years. Um, it's just this, I feel like treasure of Cincinnati. So many people have taken their kids there, their grandkids there, and are just like, how can I help? What can I do to help you guys, you know, move forward? Uh, so we certainly have not at all done it alone. <laughs> we've, we've had a great team at the store um, that stuck with us during the transition or, we probably, I don't know what we would have done because we didn't know anything about ordering books. Or I think that was scarier than setting up the nonprofit is like, well, how do you put books on the shelves? And yeah. um, and so luckily the MANA team stuck around, the key players stuck around and, and helped us with, with all of that and are still there. So how do you get the word out? Because I had no idea it was a nonprofit until we started talking about you guys doing <laughs> a spot on the podcast here. I thought it was. It was We're uh, working cool. on it. That's the yeah. big goal for 2020 is... Um, you know, to get the word out that the manatee's still there and that um, we have this mission, uh, buy one and donate one, um, and that uh, it's really a community effort. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is, is we want to convey is that this only works if Cincinnati gets behind it and, and helps us and makes it happen. You know, it's just, it's easy, right? You can get your books delivered in an hour. You know, I hear potentially by drone at some point, but, um, we can't do that, but we, you know, order it online. You can get it in a couple of days and know that you donated one to a student in need right in your backyard. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not even convinced prime understands what next day means or even means, <laughs> if you ever go and order on there and it's like, uh, oh, order now and have it by tomorrow. Okay, great. Your shipment will arrive in three days. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. It's not the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Maybe there's some opportunity there. Yeah. Um, it's delivered around the city. So are you from Cincinnati? Not originally. I'm a Kentucky girl. I'm from Harlan, Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky, okay. Old Mine Town. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so not originally, but I've been here since 2002. So it's a while. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to know the place. Okay. I do know now that if they ask what school you went to, they mean your high school. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that's, that's right. That's, that's <laughs> the next so did you go to college here, or what brought Miami. you to Cincinnati? Yep. Okay. Yep, I went to Miami. So um, I was. Uh, in Kentucky, I actually came and went, finished high school at a private high school where my dad lives in Middletown, Ohio. Um, and then from there, I went to Miami. And after Miami, went out to back out to San Francisco. And um, so I, I was here for a little bit and then gone and 
came back in 2002 and been here ever since. So, setting up, would you decide to say Miami? Because you took the bull by the horns and we're going to say something big and. Uh, I studied psychology because I had no idea oh, okay. what I wanted to do. <laughs> like most psychology majors, probably. I'm like, I don't know. So oh, There's always um, communications, too. Yeah, well, that's true. Cause, <laughs> um, but when I went out to San Francisco, I did my graduate work in organizational behavior and development. So. so how did you wind up doing like the stuff you wound up doing? I have no idea. Um, it's just been this. Just followed your path. Yeah, it's just been this journey. I I was in finance when I and when I came back to Cincinnati, um, I, I had no clue what I was going to do. Um, and just started uh, working uh, with other small businesses and helping them with their uh, digital marketing, which was kind of kind of new at the time, just trendy at the time. Um, and I was kind of engrossed eating everything up I could learn about it and would help other business owners and it kind of grew from there um, and from working on marketing and analytics I just got more and more into how it all plays into uh, the overall growth of the company and its survival and how focused people would get on marketing and the money spend they would do not paying attention to other costs and um, and so I just started tying those in together led to sounds like we could use a you I mean do people organizations sure I'm in. <laughs> yeah I mean is how much of that is a, a science and how much of it's just like you know because we, we do stuff and we'll think this is a slam dunk and then it doesn't and then this but this other weird thing will take off like well how did that happen it's all a gut move I mean honestly it's all a gut move you can look at um other campaigns other people have done, but they're not in the same community. They're not, they don't have the same clientele, right? So it's, I think knowing who your audience is, is the most important thing. And I do believe that a big chunk of it is just go with your gut. And um, if it makes sense financially, give it a shot. Fail fast though. If it's not working, quit spending money on it. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's, a, that's a good term, fail fast. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we should have done uh, that in 2008. Not that's been around for a bit, but um, <laughs> yeah, I just I do believe that you know you try it, but you, you don't let it kill you if it's not working. Move on. Is there like a network of uh, independent bookstores that kind of you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's got to be a Facebook group, right? You guys like bounce ideas off each <laughs> other and stuff. Because I mean, it seems like it's. It's, uh, you know, an important thing that the community needs, but, uh, you know, as, as we are spending more more money on Amazon, it probably is a, a dying thing, especially in, like, small-town America and whatnot. Sure, yeah, I, and I think it, it's having a little bit of a resurgence. Like, even here in Cincinnati, you've got um, Downbound that just opened on Northside. I mean, there's quite a few independent bookstores in Cincinnati um, that everyone should go visit. Um but, you you know, Joseph Beth brings in, has the space, the capacity, and the network to bring in wonderful authors, and um, we all do. But, you know, they, they definitely get some people that without them we otherwise wouldn't have access to. Um, I think that the American Book Associ- Booksellers Association, um, they do a great job. We have tons of conferences throughout the year where, you know, we're all encouraged to come and uh, network and meet the publishers and see what's coming out, <clears throat> what books are coming out. Um, 
so it's a great network of people and it feels very collaborative um there's not a lot of you know cutthroat competition yeah. in the book industry <laughs> <laughs> um it's it's a great network of people yeah yeah and it seems like it's leveled off as far as like bookstores, although the one is closing downtown, yeah, and we lost yeah. the big Barnes and Noble, although everyone's leaving the levees, that made us do yeah, with them that, than it yeah. does with bookstores. But like with record stores, uh, that's leveled off. Our neighbors, our former neighbors, now they're across the street in Loveland. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're killing it selling records. Mm-hmm. I mean, who would have thought that? I know, I know. I think people see the the bookstores specifically as a place for event, like um, story time. Uh, is very popular. We have story time um, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because um, parents want a place to get out of the house, bring the kids, do something a little educational and a little fun. And um, so that's a big thing. I think it becomes like this kind of um, community event hub. Um, I think you look to the bookstores to see what activities are going on there, what do they have going on. Um, so I think that that helps us for sure. And we keep a very busy events calendar. That's so, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like our, we were mentioning our friend before we started, Lauren Long has been mm-hmm. amongst that yeah. group. So who else have you had? Uh, Will Hillenbrand is a great friend, um, has been to the store, Rosemary Wells, um, she's to Max and Ruby. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I only know that from being a cartoon. My, <laughs> yeah. my daughter used to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot it was a book series. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we have great friends. Zach Morgan, who um, is an entertainer, a musician, um, did a uh, show for us on the square in Oakley last summer. Uh, so there's, there's always an author on their way to the store to, to do a signing. Um, we do a lot of school events too with authors, which is nice. Yeah. So for someone who hasn't been there in a while, like me, mm-hmm. uh, we used to bring the kids. What's, what's it, what, how is it different now? What, what could, what could people expect? How's it different? Well, the, definitely the energy is a little bit different because it is a nonprofit. You'll come if you come into the store, you'll still see the great selection of books. It's a diverse selection, um, and we have everything from children's to through adult. Okay. Um, so it was the children's bookstore for a long time. We purposefully do not have children as part of the name, even though we are um, still predominantly focused on children in the store. Um, but we have the online presence now we have a full e-commerce platform so you can order online um, but you'll see mission uh, uh, driven statements throughout the store telling you um, about what we're doing and and how your purchase makes a difference um, so there's it's a little bit different and we painted the walls so. there you <laughs> go <laughs> so buy a book someone gets that exact same book or do you That's have like bad. a yeah. no so when you buy a book um uh, we uh, we donate a book, but the books that we donate go to our partner schools. And our partner schools, um, we focus on uh, preschool to uh, second, third grade. We'll stay like within that age range. Um, I don't like saying that because if there's a need out there that a school has, we certainly want to hear from them no matter what the age. Um, but if I come in your store and buy Fifty Shades of Grey, you're not going to donate. I am not going to donate that to the kindergarten student. No, we uh, we have a very we have a donation bank, um, Crowns to Computers, um, another great organization, another great nonprofit. Um, 
generously has given us space in their warehouse to keep our donation bank for now. Um, and those books are all careful, carefully selected um, to be Asian content appropriate for uh, the children they're going to. Um, so just the number of books we sell in a, a month, that same number is allocated to the donation bank and the books are uh, geared toward geared toward the students they're going to. Awesome. So is the nonprofit set up uh, kind of a trend throughout the country or is this something kind of unique to uh I to believe our, our store is the only one of it's that has this particular model, but there are definitely other nonprofit bookstores okay. um, that are focused on uh, different there there'll be um there's one in uh, chicago that's focused on uh women uh, women's rights equality um so there are several uh throughout the country that they they have their their mission as well and are focused in on that mm-hmm. they mentioned there's other places like the library that are also focused on literacy do you do any oh yeah yeah for sure okay. yeah the library is such i mean separate beast obviously because mm-hmm. they're but yeah, they're they're nonprofit working to get books in the hands of kids and and for children to have strong reading skills. Um, so definitely a, a friend and supporter of the public library system for sure. Yep. And are kids as interested in books these days? They seem to be at the store, but <laughs> <laughs> um, my kids were always are still were always avid readers. We always had books in the house and read aloud to them and I think that's um it's not you know now that there's so much technology that's readily available um it's just again getting the I guess the message out that it's just vitally important that as a parent you spend that 15 minutes a day you know half hour a day with your kid right beside you or on your lap reading aloud teaching them the importance of um the written word and reading skills and holding a book. Yeah, I wish I get my ten year old to sit on my lap and read. <laughs> he hates reading. Both of my kids is like, yeah, they're so into their tablets and their own yeah. technology. It's like, you know, it's way too young. But it's like, I look at my wife. I'm like, yeah, what are we, what are we doing? But yeah. it's, I don't know. Um, yeah, just like, you know, school. They're like, yeah, take home this book and read it. And you're just like. They're just not into it. Yeah, becomes and, an assignment. Yeah, of, but they have friends that read and read like crazy. And I'm just like, man, why can't you? But I don't, I don't know if that's a genetic thing because I don't like <laughs> reading. So that's, that's another thing. I'm like, well, why can I expect him to be all gung-ho about something that I was never into? Uh, just because I feel like he should be. Yeah. But that's it's weird, my own demons, I guess. My, my oldest uh, is not a digital native. Uh, but she, like when she was four or five, is I think when we, well, we had a computer before she was born, but it wasn't like as pervasive as it is now, where my youngest, who's six years younger, is a digital native. She's always had the technology. And I think of the two, I probably the oldest reads a little more, mm-hmm. but the youngest doesn't have a problem with reading. It's just that uh, I think once she's done reading all the books she has to read for school, like I said, it becomes kind of more of a chore. Right. Sure. But it was yeah. strange. When they were both in kindergarten, uh, we were very... Uh, active in getting them to learn to read and in preschool i guess or no it was kindergarten my uh oldest was the only her and her buddy could read mm-hmm. so they have to read to the whole class <laughs> and then when lizzie went into kindergarten we misunderstood something the teacher said she's like oh well the kids are all having a great time uh but there are some of them are frustrated that they they can't read 
And she meant not that she meant something different. I thought she meant that uh, only a few kids couldn't read. She meant that only some of the kids that can't read are frustrated. frustrated. So we yeah. panicked and like, oh my god, we got to work on Lizzie. And so within a couple <laughs> months, we had her reading it, and she was the only that could read in her class. <laughs> it was so weird, but yeah, it's it's uh, out of the game. That's good. Exactly. Yeah, and it, I mean, I guess it's it's been worth our while. I guess it makes for it, anecdotally, it seems to have made for mm-hmm. them being better students. But um, you know, how do how do people Keep, how do they keep kids interested, I guess, in books? Because, you know, like, Lauren Long does a great job and, and things like that. But, yeah. you know, how do you, you know, are kids always just in the things, I guess, they were, they seem to be. Because the books don't seem too different from when I was a kid. No, I think that Mary the dirty ultimately, dog and all, yeah, like, like Mulligan and a steam shovel. What's a steam shovel? Thing. Yeah. But, but still. <laughs> yeah, I think ultimately, I mean, you might have different um, characters here and there, but, you know, um there's still the odd character, like Elephant Piggy, you know, and there's, there's, I think having an assortment, having a diverse selection for the kids to choose from, I think is very important for kids too, of different um, ethnicities, different backgrounds to be able to look at books and see characters that are reflective of, of themselves, right? If every book's a you know, fairy princess, white fairy princess, then that doesn't speak to everybody, right? Um, so I think it's it's important that as kids are exposed to books, that they're exposed to the right kinds of books and that books that they are relatable to them. Not all of them. I mean, Elephant and Piggy, I don't know how relatable, but there's a message there, right? There's always a message. Um, and I also think that, you know, not every kid is going to want to read a chapter book you know that's why graphic novels are so important you know less words more pictures but there's still this story there and it's introducing them to reading and it's engaging them and they'll you know advance from there they'll move on to to other things um as they get more and more sucked into storytelling and and writing so do the kids tend to branch off into what kind of books because when they're really little they're all pretty much the same kinds of books you know, Hungry mm-hmm. Caterpillar at all and all that. Yeah. But then, like you're saying, graphic novels, I know the the, the, the fantasy series. What was my, my youngest, when she was reading more, was um, The Lightning Thief or whatever those mm-hmm. books. Yeah. yeah, and then, of course, Harry Potter and all the... Yeah. You see, like, a branch off in that, or is it the, the, the pre-teens and teens still kind of read the same sorts of genres? We definitely have a lot of um, middle grade and YA titles that seem to be uh, heavily focused on um, sci-fi or have some kind of element like that. Um, but it, it, everybody's different. I don't know yeah. if you, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like that's what makes the book industry so interesting, whether it's children, young adult, adult. Um, you always want to, like, what's your favorite book? Why is it your favorite book? Because even if they're all reading the same book, they have a different reason they like it. And I think it's just a very personal thing. What's your favorite genre? Um, it's going to be different for different kids. Some are going to like um, mysteries. Some are going to like a little bit more horror, scary. Some are going to like traditional, classic, Anna Green Gables type thing. So, um, Those still do well? Yeah, I think more so because parents make their kids read them than a kid being yeah. like, hey, I want to read that. Um, well, I was thinking, but, too, though, because, um, like, I guess Anna Green Gables was a new... TV. There's a Netflix series based on it, so I was kind of wondering if that hmm. kind of helps work backwards and the kids think. Well, certainly oh, we be... sold a lot of um, Little Women. Oh yeah, when yeah. The there movie, you go. When the movie came out, right? Yeah. So that would be an example. Um, 
you definitely watch what's trending or what movies are getting ready to come out um, because people will be like, oh, I want to read that or... Yeah, finding Nemo. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Well, or like, what about like novelizations of of movies, like the other way around, like stuff that was like. We you know. don't care if it, we don't. Uh, it's not that we don't. We carry a, a smaller selection of books that are readily available at um, at places that it's like Target. Oh, okay. Like that. So it, it, the books that you can find there, where we know people are at on yeah. a regular basis. Um, we know when they come in, they're looking for something maybe a little different or a follow-up okay. or a prequel. Um, so we do carry them. We know we have New York Times bestsellers and we have um, those titles, but uh, we focus more on unique pieces of uh, authors and illustrators that uh, we like. I remember when, well, when my mom was trying to get me into, you know, probably her last effort of, come on, kid, read. Uh, she got me a chapter book of Ghostbusters 2. There, uh-huh. you go. there you go. <laughs> Ghostbusters did you read two, it? The novel. <laughs> yeah. I probably made it through a chapter and then faked well, the next three and acted like it was the best thing. I remember reading but, Star Wars as a book. I saw the movie first, then I saw the book. The book I never had read, read the and then, book. But it, it was supposed to. It was a book first. Uh-huh, yeah. He wrote it as a book. And then um, this a very famous uh, sci-fi author, Alan Dean Foster, who Star Trek fans oddly might know because he was more of a Star Trek guy. I think he wrote the... Uh, he helped George Lucas make it a book and then they went backwards and made it a screenplay. Wow. So yeah, yeah. So I That's really lot, cool. Yeah, I wrote a lot of novelizations of the Star Trek episode. Then finally, I, I think once I got into my teen years, I started reading things like 1984 and Animal Farm. Right. And, See? And things like started that. started with so, one you know, and you kind of transitioned. My, my oldest daughter's favorite book she was had to read in high school and she it's her favorite book still, The Things They Carried. Hmm. You ever heard of that? Uh-uh. I hadn't either. It's a book. It's by Vietnam War. Diseases? Vietnam War. <laughs> Oh. It's a Vietnam War book, oh, yeah. Gosh. So, yeah, my, well, now 23-year-old daughter, uh, who works the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, favorite book about the Vietnam War. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. That's wild. That's so what's hot with kids right now? Oh, goodness. Um, that's, a, that's a big question. We sell a lot of books about Fiona. Yeah. Oh, there you Fiona go. Fiona is, is, is yeah, very she has popular. Like, what, 10 books or something? Yeah, like, she's doing all right. So yeah. she has like four, <laughs> yeah. four books coming out this year. Yeah. Wow. She, she does all right. Um, we had, uh, what was, um, Mo, Elephant Piggy, always big sellers. I mean, there's Never just heard of that one. You have um, to check out Mo Elephant Williams. Piggy. Yeah. You'll okay. have to check that one out. Yeah, once you're out of that age bracket with kids, it's kind of like, yeah, mm-hmm. you tend to fall away from. Yeah. I, last year, um, Fiona, Chris, her Christmas book, um, the one illustrated by Richard Caldry, was the probably the best-selling the book we sold the most of followed by um mr pumpkin's tea party which was written by aaron barker who actually works at the blue manatee um she's an author illustrator so those are our two best-selling and fiona very well-known popular character mr pumpkin brand new first book so Mm -hmm. there's you know yeah that's crazy mm -hmm. what kids relate to well i mean i don't know um I know, looking at some of my, my kids' books, you know, we have sitting on the shelf, you're just like, it's like some of the concepts, concepts are so simple, mm-hmm. yet they, uh, just, res- like, just, just certain things just resonate with them. The, uh, the donkey, the tonky, wonky, wonky donkey, donkey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was one that, uh. Yeah, I like the wonky donkey. They came out with the second one. 
Oh, yeah? I think. Yeah, I think I really came out with the second one. See, donkey, what could yeah. possibly happen to the yeah. Wiggly Wonky Donkey Honky Tonk? I don't know. Just, you know, yeah. just builds and builds. <laughs> I think what was a big one, uh, uh, Kipper the Dog was a big one for us. Yeah. yeah. I liked we, Kipper. Is Kipper still on? Uh, we don't have Kipper. I don't know if he's still on. My kids are, uh, well, my 12-year-old's getting ready to turn 13 in a couple of days, but I have 11 and 12-year-old girls, and so we've been out of Kipper for a while. But I used to love to watch oh, Kipper. Kipper's so good, yeah. yeah. So well, that, he started as a book. Yeah. And then went to, yeah, in yeah, fact, on that, when I was on the thing on Radio 1 a couple weeks ago, they do this thing called uh, The Who Game mm-hmm. on this one radio show, and it's basically things that are a kind of old but aren't really a thing anymore. And so uh, I sent in a list of stuff, and they called me and said, you, you can be on the show. And I, so they called me from London, and my first one was Kipper the Dog, who? And they didn't even know who it was. <laughs> oh and my their, gosh, their producer had to say, it's, it was a little, the little orange dog. And the oh, one DJ is 43, 4, and the other one's in his 20s. Yeah. So probably, yeah. yeah. But yeah. That's no. why. But um, yeah, Martin Clunes from uh, People Might Know from, what's the show he does on, on PBS? He plays the doctor. He's the voice of Kipper. Oh. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's very calming. Boy, folks out there, if you have a chance, if you find this. You gotta watch you, Kipper. You gotta watch Kipper. And the book, the books are great, too. I used to do all the voices for my uh, daughters. Aww. Yeah, I could do. Um, well, Martin Clunes did Kipper, and this other guy, I can't remember his name, did all the other voices of the Kipper's friends. So, by chance, you want English accent. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like content for you guys. I know. You need right? to have voiceover there you go. teaching. So you teach parents how to use different voices. Oh, yeah. To, uh, I like it. Act yeah. like different characters so their kids are more interested. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you. Get the kids into it. Uh, there's sure. all sort of voiceover actors that will come <laughs> in. And, yeah. uh, so, like, do the classics do well? Because, like, when my daughter's in addition to what was out then was contemporary, um, they also liked the ones from when I was a kid, uh, Harry the Derby Dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We had Mike Mulligan and the Steam Shovel, and the one was Sammy the Seal. Yeah. <laughs> we yep. talked to Lauren Long about that. Does it still do well? Yeah. I mean, they do. I mean, they're classics for yeah. a reason. I think when someone gets. Um, has to go to a baby shower or a first birthday party, there are books that they definitely are like, I want to buy this book for, you know, them to have in their library. It was my favorite. And oh, there so you they're, go. you know, they're, they're classics for reasons. They just, they resonate. They continue yeah. to. Billy they're, Goat's Gruff. That was my go-to. Billy Goat's Gruff. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember much of it. Yeah, there's a <laughs> troll and clippity clopping across a bridge. Yeah. I remember having a lot of golden little golden Oh, yeah, bits. yeah. 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 What about, like, I, I, Nancy Drew was coming back, I understand. Yes, Nancy Drew, the Babysitter's Club. Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't seen Hardy Boys yet, but I'm sure. Um, ah. Yeah. Uh, our book buyer does a great job of, uh, she stays on top. I was going to say, spotting the trends and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a thing. Well, Nancy Drew, I think, is driven by the fact that that's also coming out of the mm-hmm. series again. There you yeah, go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Nancy Drew is a character or the author? The character. Okay. So Judy she Bloom detected. is she the author. The, Judy right. Bloom's the author, yes. Right. Nancy Drew is the, the girly opposite of the Hardy Boys. Yes. They're contemporaries, I would say. Yes. Okay. Not Nancy Grace. No. <laughs> She's probably not girly now. She's probably... True. Full on. Yeah, yeah. Badass. Yeah. You know? So. so you guys carry other stuff besides books or is... We, yeah, we have, um, we call them sidelines. Um, so we focus primarily on books. Um, we appreciate a good toy, but you won't find any electronics okay. at the store. Um, so a uh, lot of uh, things keep your hands busy. Um, plush, animals. Oh, there you stuffed go. animals. Um, puzzles. Puzzles, yes. Coloring books. <laughs> uh, puzzle books. Um, 
journals, that kind of thing. Yep. All kind of related to, they usually, like, even the plush will follow, you know. So plush characters, uh, based on the book characters? Yeah, they're not uh, licensed characters, but, um, uh-huh. you know, if we've got a llama llama, and, you know, we'll make sure there's... What about a plush plus. manatee? We had the plush manatees there before. We don't. I don't think we do right now, but yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I said you have like a mascot of some sort, or we have our we have our manatee. Yes, uh, manatee. We uh, when we took over ownership, we kept the manatee that Sandy, the previous owner, had designed, and um, she is still right in the middle of the logo, right there. There yeah. you go. Somewhere in the bins in the basement of my daughter's is uh, is her Kipper plush. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back to Kipper. Everybody's yeah. gonna be looking up Kipper. It's gonna be trendy. It's gonna be trendy in our can't, can't, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, Doctor Mar- Doc Martin. That's the show. Doc go. Martin on PBS. The guy that's Doc Martin <laughs> is the voice of Kipper. So if you're, there you go. Yeah, just a very soothing. That's gonna be nice a Jeopardy question, and somebody's gonna get it right. Tri- that's right. Uh, there yeah. you go. Yeah, I think it's like a good Jeopardy question. They're trivia sorted. Why not? So, like you said, your buyer is good at spotting trends. Um, is it is there more pressure as a nonprofit to like you know because a lot of these big stores if something isn't selling it's throw the two ninety nine bin yeah. and there you go but I imagine for you guys that's much more of a you know well we don't have to we don't carry a um, deep supply of a book so if we have a title in we probably have anywhere from two to four or five copies at a time right because we know if those sell out we have time to reorder <laughs> um, but if we have something that's not selling great. Um, we'll re- we'll, we can return it, for one. Oh, okay. um, we can return it from a certain amount of time to the publisher. So <laughs> sometimes when you buy in bulk, though, if you're uh, buying for an event or a larger store might be buying, um, those, will, those will be non-returnable. So uh, then you got your two ninety nine bin. Has there ever been a thing that, like, takes off? You're like, oh, I'm surprised, and you have to rush to order more. Like, well, Fiona Christmas book, yeah. We uh, re- yeah, I reordered that thing probably four times because we went to the the holiday market at Duke Energy Center. Oh yeah, we were there. And um, first day, yeah, that's I think we sold Central. Out. Yeah, yeah, I think it sold out like the first day. Probably by noon. And we have the once we took to the event, so we grabbed everything we had at the store to get while we reordered, and it sold. We sold all of them at the event, and then had to reorder for the holiday season at the store. And we did that a few times. So that's awesome. Oh, Oh, <laughs> it's, it's popular. It's crazy. Yeah. If he's got legs figuratively and literally. Yep. Yeah. That's right. The original film design <laughs> is up there right there. We still a couple of those a week. Roll out, of, roll out of each of the three stores. That's yeah. Funny. Yeah. So <laughs> um So like what what's the future hold? Do you guys can stay in the the one location? Do you ex- expand the mission maybe and open, you know, somewhere maybe back in, even in Kentucky? Well, being from um, being from Harlan, I def- it's definitely in my heart to do something for um, that area, um, for Appalachia. So someday I will make that happen. Um, but I think that our our future holds yes, expanding what we're doing uh, throughout Cincinnati, and hopefully finding a way to collaborate with other either bookstores or uh, nonprofits in cities all over to do something similar or the same thing. We know it's not for everybody. It's definitely um, a crazy business model to turn around and give up your profits <laughs> to <laughs> buy and own another, another book. It makes it hard to make, uh, 
to meet operating costs, but that's um, it certainly can be done in many different forms and um, I think can be utilized in many areas. So. Yeah, I think it'd be scalable. I, I mean, so. uh, that's kind of the... I, yeah, I don't know about it on paper. Yeah, you can make so much money or... I, I don't I don't know enough about it to, to speak on it, but I'm like, yeah, if it's working here, then why wouldn't it work in San Antonio, Texas and some, you know, place yeah. there? Well, I guess it helps that there really aren't, besides Joseph Beth, there really aren't any bookstores in town anymore either. I mean, yeah, big no ones there. I can think of. Well, there's... You have to go to Dayton. Weirdly, they have a couple. <laughs> uh, you've got... You're pretty covered, though. And when if you want to shop it... If you want to buy local, if you want to buy a book local, you absolutely can. You can, you've got a couple of places downtown. You've got the bookshelf in Madeira. You've got the Blue Manatee in Oakley. Got Downbound on the north side. Um, I mean, there's there's quite a few out there. Blue Marvel's right in northern Kentucky. Um, all of all of those, the independent bookstores, the great thing about them is customer service. I mean, you're not getting that online. You pick up the phone and you're like, I'm looking for this book. I can't find it anywhere. You've immediately got somebody on the other end that is all about the challenge of finding that book. <laughs> you know, they, they live for that stuff. Um, so, you know, again, love Joseph Beth. If we've got, if you've got a Joseph Beth in town, there's, you're, you're covered. You don't need to, you don't need to buy books online. Um, but you can buy yeah. online. That's what, um, I try and remind people, it's like, yeah, people think independent bookstore, oh, I got to go get in my car, drive to the store, do all this. No, you can call them. You can go online. Um, I know you can buy online with us. You can buy online with Joseph Beth. I haven't checked the other um, bookstores' websites for that, but, but you know, again, it's, it's a phone call. It's an email. Um, we're all reachable. But, um, yeah, I think... How complicated is that side of the business? Because we have all kind of different arms out in the mm -hmm. in the in the internet, and it's you know some work well and some don't. <laughs> I'm so that's kind of what I really enjoy doing is just the back end operations part and organizing all of that. So um, ours is pretty solid. The nice thing is that um, we have. Uh, Indie Commerce, which is part of American Booksellers Association, we have. Uh, they're the that's who runs our our e-commerce. So, oh, okay. you know, we we design the front end and link up to them. They they process the orders. So we're not we're not shipping from the store um, unless we want to. We have the option to, but we can also send it straight to warehouse and. And they fill it and ship. Oh, that's it awesome! Yeah. Josh, drop that. Yeah, drop shipping straight from yeah. their warehouse. And they can. And if people don't want to pay shipping, you have it shipped to the store. We we cover that cost, and um, they can pick it up at the store. So, which is great for us because hopefully while they're there, they'll buy another book. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, what about online marketing? As far as like, uh, <clears throat> I mean, like a big thing. I don't know. We we started two thousand five, and you know, it was pre Facebook, and then Facebook came along, and it was like. Every mm -hmm. every person who liked your page, you could send out a message and it would reach all of them. And yeah. now, you know, all the years we've paid to build our audience up, and now all of a sudden you, you have to pay them again. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, like like there was a a date like basically September 2018 where it was like uh, Facebook's not working anymore, guys. Mm -hmm. Like you know, like our sales from Facebook dropped off the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I know that was that was huge impact on on our business, and I'm sure that 
I don't know, are there any struggles you guys are dealing with with, uh, you know, kind of the online getting people sure. through the door type of... Uh, Sure. And I mean, ours is always going to come down to what we can afford in this period of time, right? Being a nonprofit and, um, and, and selling books that, you know, we can't really finagle the price of a book, at least up the price is printed right on the book. <laughs> so, um, so we, we, I, I, we spend a lot of time on, um, on SEO and making sure that the website and anything we put out there is is uh, set up in the best way possible. You know, whether it's hashtags, keywords. Um, I don't think that. I think eventually we'll get to the point where we have a bigger spend on digital marketing, uh, but it'll be probably more Google focused than Facebook focused. Um, Google ads, uh, following people as they you know move across yeah the internet um staying with them um because I, I feel like that's more impactful than than the facebook ads at this point unless it's if it's hyper local and it's a one event and you just want to boost that event fantastic but um i just think there's if we're already tight on our spend that there's better ways to spend the money content marketing yeah blogging Get one of these, get one of these deals going. A influencers, podcast. yeah, yeah. Influencers are really the best um, for us. I, I, people that are passionate about what we're doing that already have a following, instead of trying to, you know, um, pull one follower in at a time on our end, is um, find people that are passionate about books, about literacy, about children, and reach out. Is it easier to vet those? folks at your level because my wife works for a, a large corporation in town mm -hmm. and she's very skeptical of a lot of the influencers they're using she's like i think these people are full of crap I'm gonna pay <laughs> all these followers and yeah. they're giving they're forking over tons and tons of money to these people and she's like i don't think i'm buying it yeah i th i think um asking on the front end to see a substantial amount of their analytics like i feel like too many people you just want to sign up right like oh they got 12,000, we focus more on what you would call a B influencer. <laughs> so they're not like 200,000 or 2 million followers, right? They're, they're somewhere in the 10 to 50,000 followers. Um, but I think asking the right questions up front and asking to see um, some analytics, a history, uh, is important because if you see they have 10 followers and the next day they have 1,200, um, more than likely they're. Yeah. They paid They're some not, kid in yeah, India to yeah, exactly. ramp, up, <laughs> ramp so, up their likes with a bot. Yeah, and you can also tell by engagement, right? So if you're looking oh, yeah. at a post and um, they've got 10,000 followers and only one person liked it, something's, something's wrong. So, yeah. 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 So what kind of influencers do you look for? Like, is it parents with, you know, uh, reading age children or is it like just book people or people yes <laughs> yeah. yes yes it's uh, um and we haven't done a lot yet because we wanted to make sure that we had our system down for how we were going to reach out and how we were going to measure it and follow up and and manage that program so as we're heading into second quarter of this year we'll um we'll be we'll be doing some sponsored post um we want to keep it as organic as possible just because we like talking to our community ourselves and and reaching them and telling them, you know, uh, this is, you know, we donated 15,000 books last year. Here's where they went. Wow. And, um, 
And I think that speaks the most to our followers is they want to know, like, okay, I came and shopped there. Where did so, the books go and what happened and how yeah. is, how's, how's it going? So, what books? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, this may be an obvious, uh, an obvious answer, but are you a big reader yourself? I, I, I was before I bought a bookstore. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I will admit that in the last year I've listened to more books. I use Libro. Oh, okay. Libro FM is um, an audio uh, book provider that spo- uh, they sponsor uh, independent bookstores by um, doing a kickback. So every time somebody signs up with Libro FM through an independent bookstore, they, um, they cut a bit of the profit to the independent bookseller, which is super nice. Um, so I've listened to a lot of books over the last uh, few months, but having time to sit and read a book has been a challenge, which is I find hilarious. Like, yeah, I always forget about audiobooks and that you can even get them from the library. I never, ever even yeah. have listened to one before until now, and I was like, I, I, I can't keep up with what everybody's talking about because of work, but I want to stay up on, like, you know, especially the ones that haven't come out yet that we get access to, so. Yeah, and, and it sounds like such a good medium, too, because a lot of times they'll get the author to read them, or they'll get a celebrity to mm-hmm. read them. And yeah, so like, what have you read lately that's, um, what can you recommend, I guess? The, um, oh, you're going to put me on the spot. My favorite book is Middlesex. It's not new. Um, it has, I know it has a funny name. It's a location. But it also it plays into. I was thinking. <laughs> it plays I, into the, uh, to the, uh, to the theme of the book, um. But it, it's a great book. Uh, and then I read Ann Patchett's latest one. Um, and who read it? Tom Hanks. Read oh, it. yeah. Yeah, that was really good. I'm listening to the A Gentleman in Moscow right now. And I'm not sure who's re- reading the audio. And I hear it's a wonderful book. And as you're listening to it, you can tell, like, this writing is beautiful. Like, it's beautifully written. But there's a lot of descriptive language, and so um, I keep my brain keeps, you know, kind of. You can Fall definitely asleep. tell, like some books you Just need like to hold and read, and, read, and some it. books, you know, <laughs> you can listen to. And uh, uh, this one's a little more challenging to do by audio. I'm like, oh, I have to read this one. That's funny. I heard Artie Lang, comedian. Yeah. Had uh, Howard Stern show. Yeah, he put yeah. out an autobiography. And, you know, he's just been on, he's been a mess, basically, just on drugs and whatnot. And uh, I guess he was supposed to do his, uh, his his voiceover reading. And, like, halfway through, he's just like, screw it. I'll have somebody else finish this. <laughs> and, and they had one of the whack packers from Stern read the rest of the book. Oh, my God. I haven't heard it, but uh, he was huh. talking about well, it on some podcast. That would, yeah. <laughs> that kind of fits into, it kind of fits into his whole shtick, though. Just like, yeah, yeah well, that's. that's <laughs> That's really what he's famous for. So I have to look that up. He, he probably just sold a uh, a book there. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, I was like, yeah, that. I guess you could get creative. Um, yeah. So when you're reading that, I guess uh, the the gentleman in what was it called? The, the a gentleman, gentleman in, in Moscow. Moscow. So, did, but are you more compelled to like maybe I'll chuck the audiobook. I really got to sit down and read the. This one, I think I, I'm probably going to end up yeah. like stopping the audio and and reading the book. Um, one because it when you when I'm listening to the to it in the language I'm like I do I want to read it, um, it's, uh, but you know there's um, plenty that you, know, I, you can get just engrossed in listening to, um, 
And it's nice, you know. Between that and podcast, you're kind of covered for your long I was going to say, that's long right. Card, like, long we got 107 card. episodes. <laughs> yep. You can, uh, well, 106 dropped yesterday, so yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Do you think that, uh, like, is audiobooks a good medium for kids, maybe? Because, you know, kids are so busy, maybe, instead of listening to. It's putting me on the spot. I know. I mean, well, I'm just. <laughs> we need I answers. Would, I would, I would still <laughs> lean toward, no. I think audio books and I'm new to audiobooks admittedly but I think audiobooks are great for you know the busy parent the busy adult that long car rides or even just someone that's in their car a lot like I am um but for children I still think it's it's a book that in is hand. yeah I guess you're kind of defeating book in hand yeah. Yeah. Book for kids gonna last like 30 seconds that's true yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well and there's so much from the illustrations to the words oh that's on the true page. yeah yeah you're, they're, you're missing they're, a lot. they're taking so much in outside mm-hmm. of just the story right like yeah I think it's just important that they have those those books the visual stimulation and and the audio audio uh, like you know well, that's interesting when you think about it, how like it, I mean story a book is still a book, but yeah, you're like when you, when you first start reading versus when you're up, you know in our age bracket reading stuff like that. What you're still getting something completely different out of it. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I do remember though listening to the audio of um, stories on record, and it oh, had yeah. the accompanying book. Oh, did yeah, you yeah. remember those? Oh my gosh, like, yeah. Walt Disney had a bunch of them, and we had some of those. Yeah, you would have the Walt Disney book, yeah. and you would have the record that would play, and you. Could yeah. read along with the book, and it would have the music, right? And, the sound yeah. effects, and yeah. yeah, yeah, So maybe that. Yeah, <laughs> back. Yeah. Well, I remember when I was—I uh, can't remember what grade it was—in fourth or fifth. Uh, we were supposed to read a book of our choice, and then we were supposed to either do something with it. And I decided one of the things that we were allowed to do—I was going to do—I was going to actually make a little radio drama out of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, of course, I chose a Star Trek book, obviously. And uh, and this is this is back in the seventies, kids. There's no there's no videotape. Yeah. If you you catch Star Trek when it's on, and that or you missed, you it. missed it, so I would have to record. I spent like I recorded two episodes on audio tape, and then lifted all the sound effects out of them. So I had all the phaser shots and the communicators and all the transporter and all that. <laughs> yeah, I had my mom. I, I needed a female voice, so I had to have my mom say a line into the tape recorder. How yeah. was that? Yeah, I just remember Dang. that. See, I that's not, creative. You're I haven't using thought about your that imagination. Years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're cutting tapes, with, and I'm still. I know, right? <laughs> it wasn't cutting tape. It was. I think I probably used two tape recorders back then. Yeah, yeah. And uh, look what I'm doing today. Not, <laughs> did almost the same thing. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's a second class you could teach at the. There you Blue go. Manatee. After mm-hmm. your voiceover, you can do... That's uh, true. Why do you teach podcasting to the young people on Saturdays? Really? I, yeah. When I left the bookstore today, they were talking... They want to start a podcast, and they were talking about um, how to how to start a podcast. So yeah. Um, you're saying it. Yeah. This is... This is basically all there is to it. Yeah. Yep. But I do teach the young people. And, well, the thing that they seem to have gotten... With each class I have... I've been doing this for, I think... I used to teach writing. I still do teach writing. Writing for laughs. Writing comedy. And then I added podcasting a couple years ago. And the kids seem to have gotten, as, they, as they've grown up with the technology, they seem more and more, the younger kids seem more and more comfortable with it. It used to be just for fourth to eighth graders. And now <laughs> most first graders can at least get the basics down and they seem pretty comfortable with it. So that's wild. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. So. That is crazy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So wait, who, who's thinking of starting a podcast? The, the Manatee. Man, oh, the Manatee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, they, they want to do a podcast. So. You should totally get that sorted. I know. That's yeah. what I told them. Yeah. What What would it be about, you think? 
No, I, I told him I don't want it. I, I, I'm out. Like, okay. <laughs> my plate's full. Say it's on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they can rent our studio for uh, two, hey, there two you grand hey. an episode. There you go. Two grand an episode. Non-profit. Or whatever. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll donate a podcast to somebody else. <laughs> yeah. There you but, go. But the, the Blue Man and your producers, you're going to right. Every episode, episode of the Censor Shirts podcast. All right. I love it. <laughs> There's something there. Yeah. Maybe not from non-profit. Maybe focus on for-profit. Well, you're getting $2,000. Well, we yeah. can be of any help. Let us know. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, uh, so speaking of marketing, at, at, uh, at the end of each episode, we ask uh, for a coupon code Ooh. from our guest. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So what, right. basically, what happens is uh, people use this coupon code to save twenty percent on uh, the Cincy Shirts website mm-hmm. or our sister site, Old School Shirts, or they can come in the store and say it. And, uh, and I go, someone came in and said it to me. I was working in the store downtown. And wasn't thinking, and the guy came in and said, the one from the hockey, from the Cyclones podcast. Yeah. He shoots these scores. He shoots these scores. He shoots these scores. I'm like, oh, that's very funny. Oh, that's the code. <laughs> I think I'm 20% off. So anyway, you might have to remind the, uh, the, the store clerk, say, oh, I heard the yeah. code on the podcast, and it's and then they'll, then they'll help you. Yeah, so, they won't know it. They, yeah. As they, much as we tell them. Yeah. As they don't much listen. as I would like to make it manatee, I think we have huh? to go with Kipper. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Go Martin Clune. Kipper. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put this in the show notes. What's that? K-I-P-P-E-R? K-I-P-P-E-R. Kipper the dog. It's not you are. I'm going to even find the audio for that and put it under here. That made the playout music. I can find the Kipper the dog theme. Kipper the dog theme. Sorted. Yeah. Buy the rights to that. There you go. I tell you what, I'll even, I'll even put it on our website, so if they use it on our website. Oh, yeah. We've had people do that. Yeah. Yeah. They can get 20% off on our website. All right. Oh, super. All right. So how do people uh, find Blue Man? Of course, it's in Oakley, mm-hmm. right off Oakley Square. Yep. Sort of. Madison. Yep. And then, but uh, social media channels, all the usual. Yep. Blue Manatee Books. Um, uh, BlueManatee.org is the website. All right. You ever try to get the Blue Man Group to go to your store? <laughs> there you go. That would be different. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's a fun Halloween costume. Google. That'd be a good children's book, the Blue Manatee Group. Oh, yeah. yeah, these manatees get together and do a little singing group. Oh, what's that group of manatees <laughs> called? I used to know. Ag- oh, oh, I forget. Is it a pod? No, it was a like herd? a herd, like because they're sea ag- cows. No, it was something like <laughs> a ag- aggregate. Or, it wasn't a fun word because I remember really? we looked it up at one time to say, "Oh, well, maybe we got a Google cute machine word. right here." Cute word. Yeah. And then that I comes like, up in oh, trivia a lot. I host trivia and things like that. What's a group of such and such called? Okay, I never know. A group of manatee. I want to say it was not a great word. Darren's getting it sorted. Here we go. Group of manatees. Manatee. <laughs> is called? Da, 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 da. Aggregation. Aggregation, wow, yeah. You got it. All right. So, yeah, it's not a great word. Come down and pick up the keys to your new bracelet. <laughs> all right. That's hilarious. Aggregation. What is that all about? Yeah. All right. Well, super. Well, Amanda, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Con- continue fun. success. Yeah. And everybody go visit uh, the Blue Manatee. It isn't just children's books. Sure. And you can get anything there, and yeah. a book will be donated uh, in turn to yes. somebody. So, great cause. Yep, bluemanatee.org. And social medias, are you on the Facebooks and the, the, all of it. the Instagrams? Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Blue cool. Manatee, Blue Panatee book, Books. That's our handles. So. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Awesome. Right. Thank, Thank you. They call him Kipper. Kipper the dog. Dog with the slipper. That's Kipper. Kipper the dog. Manicranius. Boy, can't recommend Kipper enough there. 
uh, the books and the animated shorts, just just so calming and so and so peaceful. Also, uh, we found out accidentally that Blue Manatee was a non-profit. We had them sponsor a few episodes uh, back uh, toward Christmas there, and somewhere along the way, Amanda mentioned in one of her emails that though they were a non-profit, and Darren was like, "Oh yeah, I really can't see billing them." And in that case, so uh, so now if uh, you're a for-profit and want to sponsor the show, well, please reach out to us, podcast at cincyshirts.com, and uh, let us know what you can do. And uh, also, if there's something you'd like to hear on the show, because you, you can use that same email address, of course podcast at cincyshirts.com, put podcast guest in the subject line in that case, and maybe tell us a little bit about the person who I think they'd be a good guest for the show and for your fellow listeners. Uh, so also be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. Today's show was produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. They have a Facebook page. I follow that, so you can uh, get all the updates uh, on them. Uh, I reckon they'll probably be here sometime, maybe, touring again, because... Uh, in the song today, they say it was summer in Cincinnati and he met this girl. Then, well, it's actually kind of a very sad song if you listen to the whole song. But find vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and Philadelphia. And more, in fact, at oldschoolshirts.com. Lots of defunct teams. We've got a lot of hockey teams in there, by the way. Also, the whole USFL collection because it's, you know, springtime again. People are kind of being nostalgic for the old USFL, especially with the XFL uh, up and running as well. Um, old shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations. Uh, there's a section of video games that's really cool. So it's like Cincy shirts. But for all of those other towns. Again, uh, the promo code for this episode is Kipper, like Kipper the dog, K I P P E R. All lowercase, all uppercase, alternate upper and lowercase, doesn't matter. Use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order, or you can come into one of our stores in Over the Rhine, Hyde Park, or Loveland and say, I'd like to use the podcast code Kipper, and they will give you 20% off. Follow our social channels Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from, and as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye. I wish I said.